For the best night's sleep in the whole wide world, visit MyPillow.com. Use the code word REBEL for a discount on pillows, sheets, pet beds, and everything else at MyPillow.com. Introducing the champion, fighting out of the red corner, he is a brawler, standing 5 feet 10 inches tall, fighting out of Harlem, New York, USA, presenting the podcasting champion of the world, Ryan the Disruptor, the What's happening, Rebels? Hope you're having a great week. Ooh-wee. Rebel Dads, have we got a show for you today. Today's program is sponsored by Save the Storks at SaveTheStorks.com. Let them know you heard about them at Rebel Parenting. Woo, John Eldridge on the broadcast today. Oh, my goodness. You may have heard of him from his book, Wild at Heart, or from Ransom Heart Ministries that he runs, but I'm telling you, he is so good on the broadcast today. In fact, wives, if you're listening, this program is for you as well, because he talks about how wives can reach their husbands. And uh, we talk about masculinity, toxic masculinity, a whole variety of things. Let's just jump into the program. Here is the awesome John Eldridge on today's edition of Rebel Parenting. What's up, Rebels? So good to have you here today with us. I've got John Eldridge from Ransom Heart Ministries. John, I first found you with um, the book Wild at Heart. When was that published? 2001. Oh my goodness, 2001 for real? Right. 18 years. 18 years. And do you have any idea how many millions of copies it sold? A lot. It's a lot. Yeah. 2001. Let's see. Yeah, that caught me exactly at the right moment. I had been through a divorce, trying to find myself. Right. Here's the truth. I had worked at Saddleback for quite some time as a volunteer, and I went through my divorce, had a huge identity crisis, and I looked in the mirror one day, and I was in a Hawaiian shirt and khaki shorts, and I was like, oh my goodness, this is not me. Mm. I don't know who I am, but it's not this. And that was a seminal book in my life at the time about masculinity and that it's okay to have all those thoughts and feelings. And then recently, there's so many things that have bombarded me that I was like, I got to get John in here. I got to talk about this. I'm not going to play it because it'll make me too mad. There's a company called Bonobos, their clothing company, and they had a big ad campaign called hashtag evolve the definition. And it opens to a screen and you hear the clickety, clickety, clickety of a keyboard and it says masculinity. And they give a a brief description from the dictionary and then they start doing synonyms, virile, red-blooded, hardy, strong, all these things. And these different versions of guys are reading all these things, but the tone of their voice, it all starts to just bash true masculinity. And they start saying how it's too small and it's a little scary. And one of my things that I was saying back is, okay, you want it to be a bigger definition than this, but can it be this too? 
because it doesn't sound like it from your definition. It doesn't right. sound like it can be strong or red-blooded or protectors or warriors or any of those. It seems like you don't want any of that at all. This is a definition that's too small, but your large definition can't include this either. It's got to be this feminized version of a man. And at the exact same time, there's a commercial to females and it's hashtag embrace ambition. And it's, I'm not going to apologize for following my dreams. And I'm going to be strong and powerful. And I thought there's this crazy juxtaposition where every word they're describing women with tends to be a masculine word, strong, powerful, go-getter, hardworking, you know, all these things. And everything they're describing men with is feminine, where you want two genders, but you want masculine females and feminine males. And it just feels like men have been under attack for a while. And I'm not trying to get on a pity party or, you know, be a victim at all. And that was my other part with the embrace ambition for women. I was asking my producer, who's a woman, and my wife, who's my co-host, has anyone ever told you you can't go for your dreams? Right. Who's apologizing for following their dreams in America in 2019? Right. There's never a better time in history or place than America today to be a woman. It's the greatest country in the world to be a woman today. There's never been a better time. And to report that there is strife between men and women, and it's because men are trying to keep women down, I really think is a disservice. And I was saying on the show before, and I want to say today, are there men out there that believe women can't do everything? I guess. But most of us think those men are morons. And I feel sad for their marriages, but it's not the majority. The majority right. of men in America today look at women and go, you can do anything you want. You CrossFit, you can do anything you want to do. We support our wives. We're trying to build them up. But at the same time, masculinity, traditional masculinity, opening doors, carrying things for people, you know, going to war is really under attack. Are you finding that in your ministry? Oh, yeah. And it leaves guys super confused about who to be. I don't know who to be. What do you want me to be now? How is that playing out? You know, I see that in marriages and I see it on college campuses. And then you get women that are saying, you know, I can't find a real man out there. Exactly. You know, where are all the real men? It's like, you told them they shouldn't be. Yeah. You know, why aren't guys asking us out? Because you're supposed to be doing that now, apparently. Right. You've got a high schooler that's been growing up in this and he's hitting late college, early adulthood. And there is the confusion. Where are you seeing that play out in his life? So... Deepest fear is, I don't know if I can come through. Mm, okay? and meaning what? Uh, a, just I can handle my life. I can handle a relationship. I can handle you. I don't know that I have what it takes. Mm. That is the core fear. Wow. And so then you tell those poor guys, back down, don't stand up, don't take initiative, get out of the way. And then we wonder, how come guys aren't coming through? How come they're not mm. initiating, taking the initiative in relationship, in vulnerability? How come they're not doing that? Well, because you told them to back down. Mm. And they already struggle with it. They already struggle. You know, I Big. look at my mom's dad, my grandpa. He was, if there was ever a man's man, it was him. He dropped out of school in the seventh grade to work in the coal mines to take care of his 12 siblings because his mom died giving birth to the 13th right. and his alcoholic dad wouldn't take care of the family. Right. So he worked in the coal mines and then in the Great Depression he went in the CCCs and then he joined the Navy and went to World War II and got bombed on his ship and then he 
when he left the Navy, he married my grandma, who she had two kids, took care of them as if they were his own. And I remember one of his proudest days, he got his 50-year union pin. He was a union tile layer. Wow. For 50... By the way, after 50 years, they gave him this little teeny, like, not even merit badge size. You know what I mean? Merit badge size is, you know, it's like, you know, an inch, two inch. This is this tiny little pin that he got for 50 years of union dues and union service. But he was so proud because he had been through the depression where he couldn't get a job. There were no jobs available. Joined the CCCs. They got $20 a month. 15 went directly to your family. It didn't even cross your palm. Five went to him. And I remember him talking about that. And he was so proud to provide for his family. Because he came through. That's right. I came through. Yeah. Came through for my family. Came through for my country. That's right. Right? That's right. I am a guy who can come through. Yeah. That's what a guy needs to know. I tell you what. I look at him and I think faced with the same, you know, this is going to sound like a misogynistic difference, and I don't mean it to be this way. But there's a core difference between men and women in the way we view media. I was telling Kristen, we've got John McClain and Hans Gruber over there on the shelf. You can't see it right now. We don't do Elf on the shelf. I do Hans Gruber and John McClain on the shelf. One of the greatest Christmas movies of all time, Die Hard. But a guy looks at Die Hard and goes, you know what? Under the right circumstances, in the right situation, with my family on the line, I could do that. And a woman looks at that and goes, never in a million years. Right? You know, I look at my grandpa's life and I wonder, given the same opportunity, could I have done all that? I mean, in seventh grade, leaving school. There's the question. Right? There it is, right there. I hope so. Could I come through when the moment is real? Yes. Right? When it's all on the line, right? My marriage is blowing up. My kid's going off the rails. I can't find work. Will I be the stand-up guy? Yes. Right? Will I do whatever it takes? Will right. I join the CCCs and right. leave my family? Will I, you know, my dad's dad worked in a gas station and got 25 cents a week. Would I do that? Would I take any job at any price, suffer any yeah. humiliation to do the right thing? Yep. And then you've got a society going, don't do any of those things. Right. Okay, so one more beginner section with everything you're describing. Yeah. Most of these young guys grew up without dad. Mm-hmm. Dad may have been there. My dad was there. My dad was an alcoholic. So he was present mm-hmm. but gone. Mm-hmm. So you have an entire generation now of uninitiated men. They haven't been taken into the process by a man who loves them very much. Yeah. yeah. And so they've just got these huge questions. They don't know who they are. I mean, you're talking about an identity crisis. Yeah. It's massive. Definitely. Particularly in their masculinity. Right. In the masculine soul. For sure. Okay, so I know that most of the people listening are women. I know that our audience, by and large, is women. And so there's a wife and a mom out there, and she's got a husband, and she's hearing that he's in a crisis of masculinity. What are some of the things women can do to build the masculine side in their husbands. The single most romantic thing that gets said in our house is, can you help me with this? Really? Can you help me with this? I don't care if it's a jar of pickles (laughs) or or, or it's taxes or it's a crisis. It's a family crisis. And she just hung up the phone and she's got a huge thing blowing up right in the family. 
can you help me with this means I need you. Mm-hmm. It means you have a strength to offer. You have a strength. So I believe in you. I see mm-hmm. it in you. Right. And that can be huge. It can be absolutely huge. You look at, you know, Cinderella Man and kind of all of the classic guy movies. You will actually find the wife or maybe it's the daughter or the friend. There's a feminine figure saying to him, we need you. I believe in you. Mm. And it's huge. Absolutely. And I think for women, it's particularly hard because they've been raised to be strong, independent women that don't need anyone. Right. I was saying this, It's I'm, I'm going to repeat it again, I don't care. I was on an airplane, and there's this mini documentary from Patagonia of this woman fly fisher, fly fisher woman, fly fisher person. She's really attractive, apparently an amazing fly fishing, single mom of a daughter, and she never stopped talking about raising an independent, strong little girl that doesn't need anyone. And I thought... But don't you want someone? Exactly. That's not even true. Don't that, you want somebody? Don't you want a little bit of help? I mean, exactly. can you do it on your own? I guess. But wouldn't it be better with somebody? Don't you want to be loved? Yeah. Don't you want to be pursued? Don't you want somebody to share your life with? Yeah. I mean, that just isn't human nature. That's not real. It's not. We are herd individuals. Right. Individuals. We are herd people. We want right. a crowd around us. We want to be on a team. We want right. people. We want support. We want love. We want affection. We want friendship. We want all those things. Yep. What's the breakdown of the relationship that's caused us to say, well, I don't need anybody else. You know, where did that breakdown come? Is it on the man's part? Is it on the woman's part? Where is this thing where we want that relationship so bad, but we're so afraid to ask for it for fear of getting hurt and it being rejected? Ding, 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 ding. Fear of getting hurt, right? That's universal. We didn't teach people that their pain matters. We didn't teach people that there is healing. Talk about that. Let's talk about that one. That's a big deal. How are we taught that our pain doesn't matter when it does, and then why does our pain matter so much? Well, in your story, who asked you about your pain? Who took you aside and said, Ryan, I need to hear your story. Tell me your story. My therapist? Until then. Right. Do you see what I'm saying? Yes, of course I do, of course. But until... You went to someone whose job it is to ask you about your story. I'll tell you what, I am a little bit unique in this. My best man and my best friend Tobin met me in the middle of my divorce. And he and his wife at the time sat down and asked. And when she went to bed and put the kids down, we sat up all night long. There it is. We became best friends in one night. There it is. By the way. That's how you love, by the way. You show interest in their story. You're not supposed to make friends that quickly. And I was so starved for someone that cared. Right. I was so hungry for someone that just said, oh my goodness, I'm so sorry. And I can tell you my closest friends, and I don't, you know, they'll all hear this. Zachary, Marshall, Tobin, Ben, my closest friends are those that have been there in the ugliest times mm-hmm. who, when I get uglier, I remember <laughs> Johnny Brock, he's one of them. He'll be listening. I remember I was so ugly and Zachary started laughing and the way he laughed expressed so much joy. Mm. 
he was so tickled that I was so upset and so ugly. I mean, I was just a mess and it took it away. Right. It didn't take the situation away. It didn't take all my pain away, but just that I couldn't care. In fact, I can't, I care so much that you are ugly and I'm so glad that you're allowing yourself to be ugly in front of me. What an honor to have someone be this gross and ugly and inappropriate in front of me. I'm so glad we're friends and you feel that you can be this way in front of me. I got to say that took away a bunch of pain. It was that it took a weight off of me. I didn't, I could just be me. I didn't have to pretend to have it all together and have all the answers. I could just be afraid. Yeah. So you've had these two things going on. You've had the assault on gender taking place in culture mm. for about 50 years. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's not new, actually. It's about 50 years yeah. old. But at the same time, you, now you have this generation that were not fathered well because their um, dads were so taken out because no one listened to their story and paid attention to their pain, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And so back to men in particular, you have this man, they're walking around with this question mark on their chest. I don't know that I'm the stand up guy. I don't know that I can come through. And then if you tell me you don't need me, I mean, you want to push your husband into an affair, tell him you don't need him. Act like you don't need him. Be totally independent. A guy needs to be needed, Mm. right? And if there's no role for me to play, if I can't come through for you, then what am I here for? Yep. Right? Yep. So you create some space for him to come through. Mm -hmm. In these situations, I want to say this to any woman or man listening. If your husband turns to porn and is cheating on you, it's always going to be a sin. I'm never going to condone it. I'm never going to condone it. And two things can be true at the same time. It is a very dangerous game to make your husband feel unneeded for a long time. Right. It's a very dangerous game to turn him down over and over again to make him feel unneeded for him to want to help, for him to want to be there, for him to want to lead, for him to want to choose where we go on date night, for him to want to do those things. So two things. What are some of the things women can do to make their husband feel needed? You know what I mean? Because here's the truth. I've got producer Case sitting over here. I got my wife with my kids. Laura got... 1.8 GPA points ahead of me throughout all of her scholastic career. I know what my GPA was. I know what hers was. She's so smart. She is so accomplished. She's run international ministry. She's traveled around the world. There are a lot of times where she doesn't need me. She really sure, doesn't. Sure. She could do it on her own. Sure. And there's a lot of women out there. Do they ask anyway? Even This is one of the things I talk about with my wife. I cook all the time. Anybody that follows me on Instagram at James Ryan Dobson sees me cooking all the time. And I'm really, really good at it now. I cooked for my parents last night and my dad was like, right, by the way, the last time he came over, I made filet mignon steaks. I made chicken pot pie last night. And he goes, this is as good as anything you've ever served me. And I'm like, I just served filet mignon. Yeah. Like this chicken pot pie. It was still good. Right on. I am so much better at cooking because when I ruin food, Laura doesn't care. I never get beat up. She doesn't beat me up and goes, oh my goodness, you wasted all that chicken. Are you kidding me? We needed that. What are we going to eat? Pizza? She couldn't care less. I just throw it away in the trash can and mm-hmm. I start over again. She doesn't beat me up. And she doesn't beat me up when we fight. She doesn't point out things that she knows will hurt me. She doesn't go for that soft, right? Um, do you know what I mean? That underbelly. Oh, yeah. And all wives know this. This is one of the things we talk about. We talk to couples. 
You can't take those things back. Like you can't curse at your husband or your wife and take it back. Oh, I'm so sorry. They heard those words. If you go for the soft spot, they hear those things. Does the woman ask for help even when she knows she'll do a better job? Absolutely. Is it because it'll make your marriage better? Absolutely. And because you don't want to live alone. You don't. That's not the core of your being. Now, you might be Mm self-protecting, but Mm -hmm. let's start with an even simpler question. You know, what can the woman do? What are the ways you're sending the message? I don't trust you. I don't believe in you. Right? Because that's emasculating. Yep. That is so emasculating. Like, I'll handle this. I don't want to ask. Here's one. Here's one. So if she leaves to go out with her friends and he's going to take care of the kids overparenting him on what he ought to be doing with the kids. Yep. Here's the truth. Who cares? Right. Are they spending time with dad? Awesome. Unbelievable. That's it. I got a good one. We were with this couple and the husband's not super handy. Well, I wasn't either when we first got married, (laughs) but we were broke. And so Laura let me try to fix things. Yep. Even when I didn't, even when sometimes I'd make it worse or like I installed our dishwasher and then I forgot to hook up the water again and then I had to call a repairman to come out and he was like, oh yeah, you got to turn your water on and it cost me a hundred bucks. That's how you learn. Yeah, I felt so bad. Didn't beat me up. Did not bring it up again. Didn't rub my nose in it. Mm-hmm. And now I'm pretty handy. I can fix a ton of stuff. I just replaced our garbage disposal and my friend across the street, crazy, crazy handy. He's like, oh man, I've never done that. What did you do? And I said, I looked it up on YouTube. Yep. Uh, could I have called a repairman to go and stop my garbage disposal? I could have, but I looked it up on YouTube and I did it myself. And how did you feel? Oh my goodness. Do you know, you like know you that, killed it. Yeah. You know, right? that come on. Yeah. That's yep. it. That's so there is a knockout valve for your dishwasher that I forgot to knock out and it was running funny. Oh, our dishwasher was filling up with water. It wasn't draining. And it took me a couple of hours to figure out what I had done wrong. And then I pulled the tube off and I undid the hose clamp and I did the knockout and I reached in, I pulled it out and I put it back in and it totally works perfect. I got to tell you, I felt better yep. fixing the knockout valve problem and not calling somebody. Yep. Because my it. friend Marshall, he's a contractor. He could have fixed it in 30 seconds. Like he yep. would have known immediately. I didn't have to call. I went back to YouTube. I watched all the steps and I was like, oh, knockout valve. I remember that one. That's right. Knockout valve. Yep. And then Laura told me she was proud of me. Yep. <laughs> that was pretty sweet. Isn't it? I'm totally embarrassed. I'm turning, you can no, see it. No, I'm no, turning it's red. Huge. Those are the huge moments. Another thing to help gals, you want to know your husband's story. You want to know your boyfriend's story. Mm. You definitely want to know the guy that you're getting serious with story. You need to know their story. Yep. Okay. Yep. 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 So that you understand what has shaped him mm-hmm. and where his pain is and where he's likely to medicate. Because the good news about the porn thing is it's not about porn. And it's actually not about you. It's about the pain. What's the pain that he's medicating? Yep. Through that or mm-hmm. food or alcohol or drivenness, success, mm-hmm. work, mm-hmm. through extreme sports. You know, it's, that's a whole palette of meds. The meds aren't the point. The pain's the point. That was a huge one for me. Adrenaline. I did the craziest, craziest stuff to get that adrenaline high. Totally. 
Wow, that's an interesting one. I did not realize there was a good chunk of my life I self-medicated with extreme sports. Right. I was jumping out airplanes. I was yep. surfing, riding a motorcycle, downhill yep. skateboarding, the whole gamut of things. Right. Oh, that's so funny. And here's the truth, too. I want to tell the women out there because I know there are a lot of women going, I want someone to ask me about my story. Yes. Like, I want him to ask me about yes. my story. Yep. He will. He doesn't know how to yet. Bingo. By the way, women are so verbal. You know, when you get with other women, our pastor Glenn was talking about this. He's talking about how long it takes to make a friend and how long it takes for men to make friends. And with men, they need to be doing something together for a long period of time. Like my wife and Kristen go on a walk and talk about deep stuff right there on the spot. Like they walk out the door, out of my earshot, and it's like, okay, so la, 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 la. And Laura's like, oh yeah, we talked about blah, blah. Like she didn't give me specifics because that's just, she's being nice. But I'll be like, what? Like you were gone 20 minutes. Like you talked about that? Are you kidding? Oh my goodness. I don't do that with Marshall and Zach and my friends. Like Marshall and I will build a project. Yep. And somewhere in, you know, hour three or four, like we're getting better about that because we've been friends for, I mean, goodness gracious, like almost 15 years now. But it's been 15 years. Like my other friends, like we don't talk about that stuff like then. Like I just met a whole group of my son's friends' dads. They were some cool guys. They were some good guys. And I was like, oh, these might be friends. We didn't share almost any vulnerability at all in the weekend we were together. Right? It was just like testing the waters, like, can I trust you? Can I not trust you? If I show a little bit of vulnerability, what's your response? Are you going to laugh? Are you going to make a snide remark? Are you going to get sarcastic? Or are you going to open up a little bit too? And so we're just in that opening phase Mm -hmm. of being a little bit more vulnerable in front of each other. Just a little bit more because it's a scary place to be. Yeah. Like, what if I tell you something that I feel embarrassed about and you make fun of me for in front of these other dads? Like, these dads are cool. Like, they're cool dads. I want to be a cool dad. Right. I don't want to be the guy that's like, oh, Ryan's, you know, one of those things. Right. Because of the way men are designed, a man's worst fear is failure. Because of the way women are designed, a woman's worst fear is abandonment. Mm. Relational betrayal. Okay. Very, very different. And you've got to know how those things are operating in the relationship yep, because yep. if he's communicating abandonment, it's not going to go well, yeah. right? He's always gone. He's golf widow or whatever, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. If she's communicating failure, you're a failure, he's gone. And so it's really key to know your core fears are very, very different. And so vulnerability comes easily for women because you are relational geniuses, right? It doesn't come easily for men. And partly you didn't want to share with those dudes because you look like the idiot. You look like the guy who's the, the failure. Yeah. I'm the weak one. Yeah. Totally. Bingo. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with more Rebel Parenting. Hey, Rebels. This portion of the podcast is brought to you by our friends at Save the Storks. Save the Storks helps moms with an unplanned pregnancy. And that's my story. I was an unplanned pregnancy. My birth mom was 16 and faced an uphill battle. And a pregnancy resource center in her area helped her carry me all the way to fruition and then helped adopt me into my family. And Save the Storks helps pregnancy resource centers across the country with stork buses 
providing mobile ultrasound machines where four out of five moms choose life after seeing their baby on an ultrasound and hearing the heartbeat. Over 6,000 babies have been saved on stork buses. Please support Save the Storks with your prayers and visit savethestorks.com to become a monthly sponsor. Join the movement and help us revolutionize the meaning of pro-life. For more information, visit savethestorks.com. Welcome back to Rebel Parenting. Did you miss us? Okay, so what are some key questions wives can ask their husbands to find their stories? You know what I mean? Because you can't just be like, so what was the most painful thing that ever happened to you when you were young? No. The guy's going to be like, what are you talking about? It's five minutes before I fall asleep. I'm not telling you that. Yeah. Right. So what are some of those early conversations, whether it's a boyfriend, because we've got some people on that, you know, have been through a couple of divorces that are trying to figure it out. I was talking to somebody in NRB this, uh, it was maybe one of the highest compliments I've ever been paid being someone who's divorced and has another marriage. She said, you make me feel like maybe I could be better next time. Mm. And I was like, for sure you That's could. Huge. For sure. And she's like, it seems like you guys have it together. And I was like, mm. oh no. No. For sure not. But we're giving each other more space to be in pain. And there is healing. Oh yeah. There is healing. That message has got to get out there. There yes. there, there is restoration. Yeah. There there is recovery. There really is. Jesus is great at that stuff, by the so way. So good. Great at it. By the way, this is the other one too. Because so many people have parent things. So many guys have daddy wounds. Uh, where the dad told them they couldn't measure up or they were absentee or they just couldn't get their attention. They were just somewhere else all the time. So many do. Your marriage can be a source of stability, of being needed, of camaraderie, of friendship, of intimacy. Here's the truth. Marriage can be the loneliest place in the entire world. Like I'm telling you from firsthand experience, I was in a bad marriage. There's, I've never been lonelier than being in bed with someone that doesn't love me. Oh, yeah. There's never a lonelier feeling than that. Right. And... When Laura and I are firing, I'd say firing on all cylinders, but when we're firing on most cylinders, it's the greatest thing in the whole world. Right. It is the greatest thing to be with someone that just loves me. I'm always like, really? Like, you know me real well. Like, you still want to be with me? How fun. We're getting ready to go on a trip together as a family. That used to be such a source of anxiety for me because... Like, we're going to be together 24 hours a day for seven days? That's a long time to be together. What will we do? Like, what if we run out of things to talk about? There was a serious period in our marriage where we'd go on dates and had nothing to talk about. And I was like, oh, no. Like, we got to find something to talk about. Right. So what are some of those questions wives can ask their husbands that try to pull those things out without being, you know, overt or pushy or, you know, making them, you know, run for the hills kind of thing. Yeah. Start with the easy stuff. Start with what made you come alive as a boy. Love to know what boyhood was like for you. What made you come alive? Right. Were you happiest? Yeah, exactly. What brought you joy? What brought you joy? What are some funny stories? Like, you know, that the mischievous, like, oh my goodness, I can't believe we did that. Right. That was so funny. Right. Yep. And where you're headed to is, and what was your relationship with your dad like? Yep. Tell me about your dad. I'd like to get to know him a little more. Tell me about your dad and what was your relationship like? Mm. And I mean, if you, you'll be there in about 
seven seconds. I mean, because you're going to see it. He may not even see it. You go, yeah, my dad was a really critical guy. You know, he didn't get along so well. And you go, oh, that's his thing about criticism. He can't stand it when I criticize him. I just found it. It was the dad thing, right? So you just have ears to hear. You just kind of pay attention to his story. Start with the fun stuff. Start with joy. Mm-hmm. Start with, you know, oh, you love motocross? Tell me about that. What was that about? You know? Road motocross. Yeah. And then you get into, and tell me what it's like with dad. Did you do that with your dad? Mm-hmm. Did you guys bike together? No? Why not? You know, you're kind of working sure, your way sure, into sure. what was life like with dad. And by the way, I talk about this in debate too. Uh, when you're talking, you know, there's conversations like, especially with an election coming up. I mean, the conversations go like this, you know, and it's usually like that. It's just like, you know, if it's getting to be too much, if you see him pulling back into himself, if the shell starts coming up, go back to the fun. Absolutely. Okay. So what are the questions husbands ask the wives? You got to go back into her story. You mm-hmm. need to know her story. And it can't feel like you're probing for something. You know, it's got to feel like I'm genuinely interested. What did you love as a kid? What, what were your joys as a little girl? And you are working towards and what was your relationship with your dad like? Tell me, did he delight in you? Did you guys do like father daughter stuff? Daddy dates? What was that like? No. Well, tell me about that. Because gender identity is bestowed by the father for both men and women. We learn all kinds of things from mom. We learn self-worth. We learn mercy. We learn unconditional love. We learn that the world is a safe place from mom. So all kinds of beautiful things. We learn that our dreams matter from mom, but we learn our gender identity from dad. And so it's the same thing. You eventually want to get to, and tell me about your dad. What was your dad like? And what was your relationship with him like? Mm. And did you know that he loved you? Did you know that he delighted in you? Because that's where the wounding began that shaped the person we are that we're now carrying into this relationship. Definitely, definitely. And what you said, if most men grew up without a father, most women grew up without a dad that delighted in them. Totally. That just, when they saw them, were like, you are the greatest thing in the whole world. The sun and moon rise from you. Right. It's very interesting, too. I think this is more evangelical than secular, but somehow we're not supposed to say that that often. You know, it's supposed to be tempered. You're not supposed to tell your kids they're the greatest thing in the whole world all the time. You're supposed to coach them up a little bit more and you're supposed to balance that out. I just think, you know what? The world is going to beat my kids up unlike any prize fighter. They're going to get beat up by boyfriends and girlfriends and by the media. By and friends, by, yeah. By friends and by teachers and situations. I want to be the one that's telling them, I just can't believe I get to be your dad. Right. I just can't believe. Right. And not just in words, but in actions, right? Because you can say it, time, um, what do you want to do? Ugh. Let's go there, right? I had to learn how to bake. I'm way into steak. I'm into grilling. I'm into cooking. I've never, up until now, I've never been a great baker. And my daughter, she's the sugar kid. There you go. She wants to bake. So, and ki- so killer show, the great British bake. Oh, are you kidding? I bawled at season finale of the last season. Come on. Oh, I wept. Right? Killer show. And, and almost so, every weekend, Lucy and I bake something now. And so here's the deal. Yeah, great yeah. British Bake Off, not my first choice. Not kind of my cup of tea, hunting shows, military shows, all that stuff, right? But it's my wife's joy, so that's where I'm going. Mm. That's the point. What's their joy? 
that's where we're Ooh, going. Okay, okay, I'm going to jump in on this one. So one of the big crises we're getting at Rebel Parenting that people stumble upon, we call it Together Alone, where we're sitting on the couch together and she's watching Great Bitters Bake Off and you're watching Sports Center on the iPad. Right. Or you're watching Steve Ranella on Meat Eater right. and she's watching Desperate Housewives. I mean, you know, generalization. That's there, not a date. That's not time together. There is so much media available. Like Laura and I have Hulu, Netflix, Amazon Prime, and we got it all. So there's always something one of us wants to watch more than the other. Always. What you're saying is choose to watch Great British Baking Show because it'll bring you a little bit closer together. Absolutely. Instead of watching Meat Eater while she watches Great British Baking Show and you're sitting together, nope. but you're alone. Right. If, if she's watching, count. if you don't she's get points for that. Instagram and uh-uh. you're watching, you know, the nope. get up in the morning, it doesn't count. Nope. Doesn't count. So find, Lord, I've been doing that. Uh, this is it. You know what? I'll be honest. We've been trying to do it more and we're really not good at it. Like every now and then she wants to watch a show and I'm like, oh my goodness, this show is so silly. Mm-hmm. And it's better to be together watching it than apart yeah. watching it. Like yeah. I, we were doing that last night. I decided to watch that. She was watching a show and I watched a couple of YouTube videos on my headphones. Yep. That's not together. No, it's not. And so even the bigger step is there's some hour in the night that the agreement is technology goes off. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right? Yeah. You have to have a technology-free zone in your relationship. Yeah. And you go, 8 o'clock, no more technology. And that mm-hmm. includes phones, texting. You know, it's like... Oh, for sure. We are now in a real people space. Yes. So only real people in the room. I can tell you, if you're sitting talking with your husband... Or watching a show with your husband, and then you start texting somebody else, it drives me crazy. Gone. Because then I'm clearly Gone. not important. Gone. Somebody else is. Yep. And you don't need to text them right now. Right. We'll be done in an hour. It'll be fine. Text right. them in an hour. It's not immediate right now. We have this immediacy. Right. Well, they texted me. So yeah. what? So what? Who cares? Unplug it. Kay, you had a question. I did, but it's going back to the question of asking about what was their joy when they were younger mm-hmm. they can't answer that there was no joy ding 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 ding. if they don't have an answer to that well, hang on i don't know if you could hear kristen on the okay. mic she was talking about uh wives asking their husbands what was your greatest joy when you're younger what if he doesn't have one what if it's hard for him to remember anything that brought him joy as a child well you just took the shortcut into his pain because then the question is, honey, why not? What was that like? And what was it like to be lonely? Or what was it like not to be able to do the things that you love? Tell me about that. And do you think that had any connection to why you don't chase things that you love today? You know, you work really hard, but you don't have a lot of hobbies, right? Like, why don't you chase things today that you love? Oh, and here's the because truth. Some guys- no one told you you could no one said you could yeah and if you've grown up that way and it's like i don't know what my hobby should be like right what are you talking about a hobby what i'm just gonna waste time on a weekend i'm not gonna do i struggled with that for a little while and i love doing stuff and then just saying well then let's find it let's right we don't have to do it together necessarily but maybe you have a hobby maybe you find a hobby maybe it'll be and it'll take them away from you for a little bit Let's talk about this, especially in an era where masculinity is being attacked at all fronts, 
where traditional masculinity is being attacked, where guy time, man cave, boys night out, hunting, fishing, uh, cars, motorcycles, all of it. Right, 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 right. Why is it important for a wife to have a husband that, okay, I want two questions, that pursues masculinity and then what about the guy that's like, I don't care about any of those things. Mm-hmm. You're finding more and more of the guys that are like, I don't care about fighting or cars or hunting or fishing or camping or building or the traditional masculine pursuits. None of those exist in his life. Mm-hmm. So first one, why is it important for your husband to be masculine, to have guy time, that kind of stuff? Because it strengthens his soul for the moments that you need him to be a man. So when the crisis comes, when courage is really called on, if his soul has not been nurtured in that way, he's going to have a really hard time living there, even if he wants to. Right. Because the question of can I measure up is so loud saying no. And he's then practiced in it. He doesn't have Mm. any practice in it. See, casual adventure shapes you because casual adventure requires things from you. I don't know that I can downhill that on my mountain bike. I don't know that I can do that. I don't know that I can jump off that. I don't know that I can go spend a night by myself in the woods. I don't, but those things, they're very simple, small things. But over time, they build a strength. There's an Mm, inner strength mm -hmm. that you want present in the adult men in your life and in your boys. You want that strength growing in them. That's why. Mm -hmm. And so you bless it. You encourage it every single time, like unless it's like an over the top addiction with you're going skiing again, you know, but that sort of soul strengthening then gives him the manhood, the inner resolve, the heart of a man for when the stuff blows up and when you need him to truly be a man. Oof, that was deep. And then what about the guy that just is like, I don't care about any of those things. None of those things hold any attraction to me whatsoever. Okay, the core issue though is always courage. It's always courage. So where's courage for him? Honey, you need to write a new song. You haven't written a song in a while. Right. It's scary to write a new song. Go for it. Like it's courage. You see, I haven't heard one of your poems recently. Mm. Would you read me one of your poems? Like he doesn't have to be a lumberjack to be a man. Recipe, write a new song. Exactly. It's a a new drawing. Courage. Where is he moving into courage in his life? Bro, you are deep. You are dropping some deep knowledge here. Yes. Yep. And women want courageous husbands. They do. And look for, you know, and here's the thing, you know, I've started watching Sports Center and the Get Up things like that. I love highlights. I don't like watching sports mm-hmm. unless it's boxing or MMA. Boxing or MMA, I watch it all day long. Regular sports, I just can't sit that long. I like the highlight stuff. But when I was early married to Laura, I didn't watch. I mean, unless it was boxing or MMA, I didn't watch any sports of any kind. And her brothers are way into all. I mean, they played football and basketball and baseball, all the different you know traditional sports. It wasn't my thing. Yep. Yeah. That's okay. And the message needs to be that's okay, right? Because mm-hmm. this isn't an exclusivity thing of unless you love football, you're not a man. Mm-hmm. No way. You know, I love to paint. I love to write. I do very creative things. The floral arrangement that's in our bedroom. I did that. Okay. Nice. Yeah. Because I'm an artist. Well, one of our sons was super, super artistic sensitive as a boy. And I had to be really careful parenting him. Yeah. That the message isn't, you're not man because you don't want to play football. Right. Well, then let's go find the things that call courage out of you. Yep. Right? Let's go find the courageous things for you. 
Totally, totally. That was an interesting one. I'm adopted, and so I had never known another person I'm biologically related to until my son was born. That's a huge, huge deal to me. Right. You know how sometimes you see someone's kids and you're like, whoa, that's your kid. Like, if there was ever a kid that was your kid, that's your kid. Like, it looks like them, it sounds like them, mm-hmm. it walks and talks like them, that kind of a thing. I desperately wanted that. Well, Lincoln and Lucy don't look like me or Laura. They kind of look like a mix between the two of us, but it's not like distinctive. Yeah. Yep. But I just kept trying to figure out, well, how are we just alike? Yeah. How are we the same? Yeah. Will you like this music? Will you like skateboarding? Will you like MMA? Yep. Will you like all these things? Yep. And early on, the message he heard, yep. you're not good enough on your own. Exactly. You're good where, you, where <clears throat> we're like. You can't pin that stuff Mm-mm. on them. We were watching. He watches MMA and boxing with me like crazy. Cannot figure out why I did it. Just cannot figure out why I let someone punch me in the face Mm -hmm. and why it makes me laugh today to talk about it. Mm -hmm. He doesn't want to do that. Right. And we started getting along so much better when I tried to figure out who he was, not who he was like me. Yes. And he's a great kid. He really is. He is. I'm not going to tell you what it was. We were together last night and there was a stressful situation for me that was kind of painful. And when it ended, uh, Laura was getting Lucy ready for bed and we were hanging out and he was like, daddy, I'm really sorry that it's so hard for you in those situations. Mm. I wish it wasn't that way. Like he could not, he didn't even know how compassionate he Holy is. Holy cow. He was so kind. I started crying. <laughs> My 12 year old had so much compassion for me in that moment that I literally started crying and I was like, my gosh, you're amazing. Yeah. He's so rad. Yeah. How does he know those things? How does he feel those things so deeply? Right. He's so, so awesome. And had I stayed who I was when he was a baby, he would have felt like that wasn't a worthy or a valuable trait to have. Yep. Because I just wanted him to be like me. Yep. And it was inappropriate. Right. I have worked yep. for the last four years. When he was eight, I had a breakdown and a breakthrough and started getting into some heavy, heavy therapy and counseling to stop being so black and white and so binary and so my way or the highway. And so, you know, there's only one narrative and the narrative's mine. Huh. I wonder where you got that from. <laughs> and I have worked for four years in a way, unparenting him. Right. Because any coaching up I give is on top of just the tsunami I placed on him when he was little. Right. And it was inappropriate. Right. It just was. It was unfair. Right. Nobody can live up to that. And here's the truth, too. I didn't know. I feel so weird saying it, but being a Dobson is a lot of pressure. Having your dad be the foremost authority on marriage and parenting and family in fact, at NRB, I was at National Religious Broadcast. So you chose podcasting on marriage and family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, here's I'll, I'll tell you the big difference. I was at NRB, National Religious Broadcasters Convention, all last week. And I cannot tell you how many times I heard, well, you and your sister were kind of the prototype for your parents' ministry. And I'm like, well, you'd want to think so, right? I grew up with parents who were experts. My dad was for sure an expert. Right. He had an earned PhD from USC. He was on staff at Children's Hospital of Los Angeles. He was a professor of pediatrics at USC. He was a professor of family development at Point Loma. 
He had been a teacher, a junior high counselor, a high school counselor, a district counselor, private practice counselor, and he had written three bestsellers by age 43. That's not fair. That's a lot to live up to. It certainly was. And I figured out as an adult, I couldn't. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't achieve all that in 10 lifetimes. And doing a marriage and parenting podcast, I don't claim to be an expert. I claim to be a parent and a husband. Yeah. And I fall on my face all the time. I struggle like every other parent. It's funny. My kids are in school now and some of the teachers watch our show. And every now and then I get the feeling that like, oh, well, Ryan Dobson said da, 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 da. And I'm like, oh, no, I'm just like every other parent you have. I just get to talk to guys like you for a living. And if you can help me in my marriage and my parenting, then I'm going to share that with everybody that I can because I'm not an expert. I'm just another guy trying to get better at this. Yeah, right on. You know? And so I said that all week, you know, it was people assumed my sister and I should be perfect because of who our parents were. Right. Well, guess what? Not. Yeah. And what an enormous relief it is for people to hear that. Right. Because the perfection thing is so unhelpful and the high standards (laughs) thing, so unhelpful. It is. And I keep preaching this. God's not the God of second chances. He's the God of 200th chances and 2000th chances. When he says, I stand at the door and knock, it's forever. Mm. It's until the moment he comes back, he'll be at your door, Mm. beating it down, trying to get you to come out and hang out with him. Mm. It's forever. It's, I love you exactly the way you are. You know how you know this? Because before you were born, when I knew all the things that you would do, I decided to die for you before all this. Like I knew everything about you. I knew all the things that you're going to do. I knew all the failures you'd fail at. I knew all the mistakes you'd make. And before all that, I was like, no, 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 no. Are you kidding? I love you. Mm-hmm. I love you so much. I'm going to die for you. That's a big deal. Yeah, it is. It allows you to get back on that horse. And any couples that are out there that are like, oh my goodness, I haven't been doing this or I'm struggling with this. Start over. Yep. No big deal. Start over. Yeah. Stop beating up your husband. Stop beating up your wife. It, metaphorically and literally, if it's hopefully that's not being happened literally, but ask those questions. And please take your pain seriously. Please. Yeah. And if you need to see a therapist, do it. Like, there's no shame in that. There's no guilt in that. It's like, so much better to do. I mean, think about it. Sooner than later, folks. It's so much easier to go to a therapist today than it has been ever before in history. Absolutely. Like, I talk about going to my therapist. I'm going on Thursday. I go every other week. In fact, I can't go in two weeks. And so I texted them to say, I'm going to be out of town in two weeks. Do you have an appointment earlier that we can get to? Like going to therapy is, this is what I talk about. I was 50 pounds overweight and I was headed for a heart attack for sure. I was fat skinny. I had the huge belly, you know, I was carrying it all in the wrong areas. And my trainer, Jess, who lives down the street, taught me how to eat, taught me how to work out and was my coach. Mm -hmm. She was my coach. I would go down three days a week. It would be 30 degrees And I remember her asking me early on, like, what's your coaching style? What do you need from me? And I was like, well, I don't like to be yelled at. It really gives me great anxiety if you're going to be like, come on. Like, it's 530 in the morning and I'm at your house. Like, I don't need to be yelled at. I'm here. Mm. I got up. I came down here. And she would totally laugh at that because there's people that need to be, you know, they need that energy. I didn't need that. And I don't like to talk a whole lot. Like, tell me what to do. Like, my wife talks the whole time they work out together. Like they are social butterflies together. You know, you tell me what to do and then stand there and make sure my form's okay. I'm going to be great. 
I'll be fine with that. But she pulled me out of unhealthiness. Right on. She pulled me out of that. You know, I was worried I wouldn't play with my kids well. I was worried that as my kids became teenagers, I was going to be out of breath all the time. Right. That's real. I didn't know how to not be out of shape and overweight and out of breath all the time. I didn't know how. And Jess pulled me out of that. And my therapist, Sam, is digging into my pain. Right. And, dude, it sucks. It does. Like, it's... There are days where I'm like, I don't like you. Mm-hmm. I don't want to talk about this stuff. Talk about anything but this. This sucks. Mm-hmm. Every aspect of my life has gotten better because of him. Exactly. Right. So take your pain seriously. Yeah. Be kind. And there's a lot of resources out there now. There right? Are. There's good retreats. There's good yeah. conferences. There's great therapists. Like there's a lot of options. Talk about the retreats and conferences you guys do. Um, Dude, all I hear is good stuff. Like I went, I used to, I was at a Bible study at Angler's Covey, the country's largest fly fishing shop. It's here in Colorado Springs. David Lineweber runs it. And the first year I was involved, we went through the entire Wild at Heart video series. Right. That was sweet. Yeah, right. Except I will, I have, to, I'm so sorry. This is the worst trait that I have. When you guys whitewater rafted yeah. and you were like, woo, yeah. I was like, yeah. bro. Yeah. You were at low water level. You got to refilm that one scene. We found the only white water in the state at the time. Seriously. I yeah. so knew that was yeah. going on. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Okay. That was so powerful for men that had never been asked where their wounds came from. Right. They had never been to a therapist. Right. They were alone in their marriage. Their wives didn't know to ask. It's not their wife's fault. Didn't know to ask. So, so powerful. Yeah. Talk about the resources you guys have. Well... We do retreats for men. We do retreats for women. They're four-day, very healing experiences, understanding your story, understanding who you are inside, the things that have shaped you, and just how phenomenal Jesus is at healing that stuff. Like, he's just amazing. He loves to heal the heart. Just to tell people you have a heart and your heart matters can be a real epiphany. Huge. Right? I mean, that can be a real epiphany. And then we have a podcast um, where we kind of continue that conversation every week and yeah, some films. What's the podcast called? Ransomed Heart. Ransomed Heart Podcast on iTunes. I got to say this a million. My man, I started podcasting 15 years ago before I was on iPodder before iTunes was released. Wow, right on. At NRB this week, I kept getting asked the question, hey, tell people on camera, for those that don't know what a podcast is, what's a podcast? How do you find it? Wow. We are late to the game. Podcasts will change your life. It will change your life. You can love learning. There are so many good podcasts oh, out there Killer. that will change your life. Yep. Change your life. Yep. If you're not subscribing to podcasts, how dare you? And if you're getting into it early on, Ransom Heart Podcast on iTunes. In fact, there's a link to it right there. Producer Kate has put it up. Yep. So there you go. That's what how we do. How do you do we are. Weekly. Yep, Mondays. And who do you do it with? We have a team of folks. Um, so it's me and somebody on our team, or it's Stace, my wife, yep. and somebody on our team. Or, you know, it might be a recent talk that we just gave at a retreat, and we'll play that. Oh, or, yeah. Yeah, it's a lot of different stuff. Awesome. Yeah. John, I'm so glad you came. Yeah, me too. Thank you so We went for an hour. We're going to do 30, 40 minutes. We did a full hour here. That is awesome. And we've got tons of comments in the comment section, so I'm going to look at those another time. 
Thank you. Thanks for having me. Definitely. Let's do it again. God bless. Okay. Thanks, Rebels. Appreciate you listening. Subscribe on iTunes. Ransom Tower Podcast. Rebel Parenting. Rebels, thanks for listening. Thanks for sharing this with your friends. We are growing every single day, and it's because you're sharing our podcast with your friends and family. We appreciate that. Thanks also to The Voice of the Martyrs for sponsoring this broadcast. Persecution.com is their website. The Voice of the Martyrs has been helping those being persecuted for their gospel, for our gospel, for more than 50 years around the world, providing support, Bibles, materials, and all kinds of things. Amazing organization, persecution.com. Thanks again to John Eldridge for joining us on this Rebel Dads podcast. God bless, Rebels. We'll see you soon. Rebel Parenting is produced by Rebel Media House. And when you need a little help with your marriage or parenting, and everyone does, you can find it at rebelparenting.org. Sign up for the Rebel Update by texting the word REBEL to 444999. That's R-E-B-E-L, and the number is 444-999. We love it when you share Rebel Parenting with your friends and family, so thank you. God bless. Thanks for spending your time with us, and we'll see you next time for another episode of Rebel Parenting. Rebel Parenting.